Jerry, you're American, right? Yeah. I'm American, right? Yeah. What are we going to talk about? Guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> oh, your Matrix talk. What is happening, you beautiful bastards? What's going on, everybody? I think we got a good one today. What do we got going on today, Jerry? Well, today we're talking about, uh, I guess, guns and Biden's plan to solve all of our gun problems. And to help us with that today, we brought in a special guest. His name's Kyle. Kyle, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell everybody what you're all about? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so my name is Kyle Kaiser, and I have spent probably the last... 20 years in public safety in some shape, form, or fashion. Um, I spent three of those years as a deputy sheriff out in Oklahoma, which you know, what, a, what a lovely topic. Uh, Oklahoma's got very strong opinions on, on guns and, and gun control. Um, so a lot of really good, good perspective there from, from that part of the world. And now I reside here on the, the East Coast in this liberal bastion area, which tends to lean more uh, anti-guns. So I've been on both sides of the, the, I guess the sphere of, of opinions when it comes to guns. Excellent. Uh, so how, I guess, how conservative with, uh, their opinion on guns are they out there? Are they a hundred percent like NRA type? Absolutely. Yeah. They're very, very conservative out there. It's, um, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but it's really a, a merger between the pragmatic use or need of guns and the culture that surrounds guns it's, it's really they've kind of fused together yeah and actually the culture of guns i think has really evolved into something that uh i don't know if weird is the word but it's definitely significantly different than it was 50 to 100 years ago yeah you have a gun culture now yeah it's it's kind of like its own cult now uh but like everything that has gone on in society in the last 10 years it's just developed into one side or the other, and they're just extremes. So we're actually going to be talking about kind of more of a centrist point of view here, looking at it. I don't really support one way or the other. I like common sense in the middle because I think that in America, we should have guns. Historically, they've served us very well up until recently. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what Biden wants to do first. He has... Uh, his website, if for anybody that wants to check it out, it's joebiden.com slash gun safety. Pretty straightforward. And it's labeled as the Biden plan to end our gun violence epidemic. And he's got a whole list of things that he wants to do. But what it really comes down to is he looks, at least now, he lo he's looking at guns as pretty much 100% bad. He wants to more or less outlaw as much of it as he can. But there's a lot of issues that come with the gun debate in America because of the Second Amendment. And Grizz, as a former Marine, I'm sure that that is uh, kind of close to home for you. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, I mean, listen, the Second Amendment's a very crucial uh, right that we have. And I have, I believe that we should have the right to own guns, but I also believe that we shouldn't be stupid about it. Um. And I think some of the stuff that he's, he wants and he proposes, I agree with. Other things, I feel it's a little bit more muddied, right? It's not going to be, it's not going to be, you know, all, all flowers and roses where it's just, it, it's not going to be nice. 
the pro the South's going to fight it a lot, but uh, I don't. Not much. Uh, anything that the Republicans want to do right now is working. Uh, no, they've made enemies out of everybody. Uh, it's kind of their own fault. Oh, Republicans God, yeah. in Congress. Kyle, what's your view on the Second Amendment? Yeah, the Second Amendment's pretty interesting, only because it's it's kind of changed as we've gone along uh, in the course of history in America. I mean, when you think about when the Second Amendment uh, to the Constitution was written, really what you had was the United States of America in the sense that it was a, a loose affiliation of states. Um, and what they wanted to do was really check the power of a, a centrist or federal government. And um, and to make sure that you know they they didn't create a government that essentially turned back into some totalitarian regime or, or with similar to what you saw in Europe at the time where you had uh, kings and monarchies and and such and so you know the 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 initial deal was and it stated pretty plainly in the actual amendment itself that you know this is there was a right for states to have a well regulated militia. And that militia was to keep this centrist federal government in check. And so, I mean, if you take a quite literal interpretation of, of the reading of the Constitution and context of the history in which it was written, you see that it does allow for um, states to maintain a, a armed and well-regulated militia. The question today is, does that extend to individuals? Does the Constitution give an individual the right to own a weapon? And that's really just the question of our time. And, you know, the, the thing about guns in America is it, it kind of creates strange bedfellows, right? I mean, you, you look at um, the conservative approach and, and, and how people read the Constitution, and, and you have those, those folks who take a literal interpretation. What does the Constitution actually read? And they, they, there is a bit of... Uh, I guess you would call it confusion because in other areas, they read the literal interpretation. And when you get to the second amendment and you take a literal interpretation in the context in which it was actually written and you come to the realization that, you know, perhaps the allowing individuals to own weapons maybe wasn't in the purview of our founding fathers. They were really just talking about weapons as part of a well-regulated militia at the state level. Now, that's actually, so this is like probably the most divisive part of this whole conversation is the interpretation of the Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So we weren't there. We, we don't really know exactly what was on their mind when they wrote it, but we knew the context of the situation they were in and what prompted them to make it. Uh, well, I think it's kind of uh, almost a nonsense argument that I hear from anti-gun people when they take into consideration the Second Amendment. I don't think they're really thinking about the context of what it was for, because the common argument that I hear is, well, you don't need an assault rifle to hunt a deer. But the Second Amendment really has nothing to do with hunting. And Grizz and I have talked about this off air pretty frequently. Uh, I... I don't know. Maybe I should. Should I say it the way I say it off air, Grizz, or should I just keep it a little neater? Say it the way you say it off air. No, I don't. I don't. It's a podcast. You don't have to worry about the FCC here. So my opinion on gun ownership in America and the Second Amendment, it was not originally intended for hunting at all, because hunting was just something people did back then to not die. 
Uh, the Second Amendment was written for people to hunt politicians because that was what their, their fear was at the time was that, as uh, Kyle said, the centrist government, they didn't want them to be able to obtain too much power and really go the same way that they tried to get away from in England when they left. But uh, I wanted to go over, there's, a, there's actually a common misconception about uh, the founding fathers and their quotes. Uh, a lot of times this is attributed to Thomas Jefferson. Uh, the quote says, a militia, when properly formed, are in fact the people themselves. They include all men capable of bearing arms. To preserve liberty is essential that the whole body of people always possess arms and be taught alike how to use them. Now, this was actually Richard Henry Lee, who is just another person most people have never heard of who signed the Declaration of Independence. But this more insight on really what their intention was behind it. So clearly, it's not for hunting. It was for the, the ability to defend your local state and your country, which at the time, it was more local states. Uh, but that's kind of devolved now to where people aren't really looking at it that way at all. But I guess there's room for it to, to change with the times. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, that was written 300 years ago. I think three, almost 350. Uh, I think times have changed with it, but I still agree with the fact that, yes, people should be allowed to own firearms. I just think that you're, you can't be, you, listen, you can't just go out and get a car without a permit or you can't, or sorry, you can buy a car, but you can't drive it. You need a license to drive it. So there are common sense approaches here. And the, the problem is along the way, you've had this entity being the NRA that is constantly fought because they have this mentality that if they give an inch, they're going to give a mile when realistically they're fighting for stupid things. Like, I mean, a background check is a common sense thing to me. Yes. And actually we're going to, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more later, but there are some issues with the background check that I didn't even know about because while I'm not really big on guns. Like Grizz has invited me to the target range. I don't really have an interest in shooting random shit. Uh, I don't, it doesn't mean I'm against guns. Yeah, I don't like to kill paper. It's boring to me. But that doesn't mean I want to take everyone else's guns away. Yeah, it's it's interesting in in the sense that if I could break into here is, is that you know when when you think about you know the NRA and their position and and really this they invoke the the slippery slope. Uh, paradigm where if they do give an inch, it could go a mile. And, and at the heart of their argument is this whole idea that guns are designed to protect us from the politicians, but yet the only way to regulate guns in America is by those same politicians. There's no independent entity that sits outside of the government that, you know, regulates, regulates the guns. And, um, and so you know, when you go into a background check, you are providing information. You're essentially providing information that, you know, not to invoke that, that slippery slope. I, I personally don't believe in it. Um, but if you are someone who wants to exercise your liberty as it is currently interpreted by the Supreme Court, there are people who have serious issues with providing the government with very specific information about what guns you possess, where they're possessed, um, your address, who you are, 
Um, these are all things that, uh, that can certainly be used against you should that government uh, turn and not be so democratic. And I, I can agree with that. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm not for a registry of, of weapons. I don't, I don't agree with that either because just like you were saying, um, you know, if we, if something happens to the government, like the government seems to be doing lately and shit goes bad, guess where they're going first? <laughs> Everyone that they already have listed for, on this registry. If you look at some of the, uh, the metrics on it, a lot of people that are for this kind of registry can point to the numbers and say a lot of these guns that are kind of outlawed ish, you know, like uh, uh, military style weapons, things that most people can't get, like actual assault rifles. Those are thoroughly registered and tracked, and those very rarely are used for any kind of gun violence. And they're their point is that's because they're thoroughly tracked and thoroughly vetted. But it also has to do with the fact that if you wanted to purchase one of those guns or things of that nature, you have to go through so much stuff and you have to be like a severely uh, law abiding citizen. <laughs> like your everything has all T's have to be crossed, I's dotted the whole nine yards. So, of course, those people, they're they're following the law in every in every manner. Yeah, those guns aren't being used for, you know, mass shootings or whatever you whatever you want it to be. Right. Just gun violence in right. general, which again, the majority of gun owners in America are the same way. They're actually pretty law-abiding citizens. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh but when we're talking about things like assault rifles and whatnot, uh another thing that I wanted to point out is most of the shit that you see on on the news is all scare tactics and they call everything an assault rifle, yeah. like an AR-15. And the common misconception is AR stands for assault rifle when it's actually Armalite rifle. Uh, but it doesn't really help their case that it's, it's AR and the news is saying it's assault rifle. Yeah. Uh, so most people, I don't think they really care what the difference is because it looks like an assault rifle. The difference being it's not select fire and the barrel 16 and a half inches or longer. That's the only real difference. Which I mean, and again, most of the people that I know that are against uh, weapons like this in general the problem is they've never shot them they've never handled them so i mean you right. take my wife for example i think your wife was the same way um when we got married me being a former marine she was scared shitless of weapons or guns she didn't want to touch them nothing to do with them right and i was like uh, listen if you're going to be married to me you're gonna have to i'm gonna have to teach you how to be safe with these because of the way i was taught with them so in order to do that, you have to get familiar with it and we have to go to the range. You have to fire it. You have to get used to it because I can't have it in the house and you not know the proper way to handle it. Right. And now she now that she has learned, she will even tell you that she has a favorite gun like and she's gotten used to it and she's not scared of it now. You know, it's that whole not knowing it and not using it and just knowing that it can it has the possibility to kill someone is what scares people. Now, on, on that point, Kyle, when you were a sheriff in a really pro-gun area, they typically be, they, they tend to be more um, educated on gun ownership. So I think there's probably less of a stigma or a fear there. Do you, did you notice any difference? I mean, I'm sure you weren't taking any data down, but did you notice any difference in interactions where inappropriate use of a gun was involved? Well, I mean, guns were ubiquitous. I mean, it was not uncommon. I mean, more often than not, when you, when you 
even pulled someone over for a traffic stop, they would have a gun. It would be sitting on the seat. Um, and, uh, and when I say gun, it, it was more, more along the lines of a rifle. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was back in Oklahoma and, you know, it seemed like every vehicle I passed just walking by had a rifle sitting there. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of play here. I mean, when you, and I, I don't want to make it too complex, but you know, where we, where we end up here today is the result of a lot of complexities, both within the law and within society as a whole. And, you know, several years back, I, I went to Iceland and um, I took a, a domestic flight from uh, Reykjavik to Akureyri, which is a town on the north and uh, north coast of, of Iceland. And as I boarded the plane, everyone who was boarding the plane had rifles. And um, the passengers and, and they the passengers just right on the plane. And, um, you know, when you think about it there, they don't have an issue with guns. Right. And, um, and, 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 you know, there's different reasons I've read several articles. You know, one thing about Iceland is a very homogenous, uh, com- uh, country. Um, if you're in Iceland, you're generally Icelandic and, um, and, and foreigners who come to visit there on vacation, you know, they're not bringing their guns. They, they can't get their guns there. But when you go to Oklahoma and, and you go to a lot of these small rural areas, you really have homogenous communities where people know everybody, they look like everybody. Um, there's, there's just not a lot of, um, gun violence. There is still a lot of gun deaths. And, um, and, you know, when you look at the stats of guns, there's, you know, you're more likely to be, uh, killed or to kill yourself by your own gun than to use it to defend yourself from someone else if you're in danger. And, um, but to get back to your, your original question, you know, the, the culture there, it's so ubiquitous. And no one even thinks about it. No one, it's not one of those things you get nervous. I mean, certainly if, if passions are running high, you might separate someone from their gun and you just simply ask for it. Can I get your gun, please? Uh, or grab their gun and go put it somewhere else while you talk to them just to, you know, keep that out of the, uh, the range. And, 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 you know, Oklahoma has been pushing towards where some other states have gone, like for example, Wyoming, where there is no, registration requirements for guns. And in fact, they have what's called an open carry where you just hang your gun off your hip and plain sight of everyone. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, again, it's ubiquitous. No one thinks about it. I mean, you might, if you're visiting, you see it once, but like anything else, you just get used to it. Yeah. Growing up that way. And I've actually grown up here in Connecticut where most people are not really big on guns, especially in the, in the public. But even here, if I saw somebody with a gun on their hip, which I don't think we're allowed to do, it wouldn't really bother me. Because most people that walk around like that, they're probably not going to shoot anybody with it. It's not really no. It's I mean, not really why they're carrying it. It's also you. Well, yeah, I guess I'm a different animal. I don't. I don't fit you, in here. Yeah, you're not. You're not preaching for people to 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 give up all their weapons. No. But I do know people that do, and I really, while I I can't say that we're doing everything right. I, I don't agree with most of what they say. It doesn't make any sense because if you look at America historically, uh, coming into the 20th century where we had multiple world wars, they, the American mainland was never directly attacked. And one of the main reasons is because we all have guns. Now, there's another kind of dubious uh, quote from uh, Admiral Yamamoto of Japan and what he said was, uh, 
that they would never attack the American mainland because behind every blade of grass is an American with a gun. Now, whether that quote is true or not, that's a reality. And that's probably the biggest reason that, that we didn't get attacked. And it worked the same way with Russia, too. They didn't attack us because they're not fighting the army. They're fighting the entire country. Yeah, I mean, I think there may be some oversimplification. Oh, there. Sure. I mean, when it comes, I mean, America's typically exported their wars. Yeah. Um, we've been isolationists. We also have the benefit of having two massive oceans on, on either side of us um, with powers who don't have the ability, or at least all the way through World War II, the ability to really cross those the, those oceans to, to attack us. Um, I mean, it was a stretch for Japan to even get to, to Hawaii. Um, but, you know, to that point, you have, you have a dissuader there yeah, and, um, you, you have that dissuasion and, you know, I'm not so sure that people think of it in the sense of protecting us against, you know, foes, international foes. Um, and, you know, I, I want to go back to a comment that was made earlier about, you know, I want you to know how to use these guns. I want you to be safe around these guns because these guns are going to be in my house. And, it brings up a really good point. You know, one of the other things I, I am as a, as a pilot and, you know, I belong to an association called, um, airplane owners and pilots association, and they're real big about safety and they're very big about safety because they want to protect the integrity of the industry. Um, in the sense that people who aren't qualified or who aren't properly trained do dumb things in airplanes and that gives the industry a bad mark. It brings unnecessary regulation. Um, it you know may even come down to the point where people who just want to go out and fly can't fly. And so that association has a vested interest in making sure that the overall industry of aviation is kept safe and that there's some level of professional stewardship um, with, with their members. And that's one of the things that you just don't see with the NRA. The NRA actually used to be an organization that taught hunter safety, gun safety, responsible gun ownership. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, whole NRA debacle in 1977, but there came a point in time where there was this internal faction um, that wanted to take the NRA to that next level that we see today. And the, you know, this, the, the standard bearers, the, the old guard wanted to keep it as an organization that promoted gun safety and responsible gun ownership. And it came to a head in 1977 in Cincinnati, Ohio at their national convention, where it became apparent to the old guard that they may not have the votes to keep their organization intact as it had always been for, you know, at that point, generations upon generations. And when it came time to vote on who the next leadership was, and they realized that they weren't going to have the votes to keep the old guard in place, they actually went and shut the air conditioning off to the convention hall to, to basically make it where it was so hot and unbearable people would leave and they, would, they wouldn't have the votes to basically turn the old guard. And well, of course, that didn't work. And it brought about the new leadership, and, and including you know, the current uh, leader of the NRA, um, Wayne LePierre and, and, and they have taken the NRA in a new direction where they've shied away. I mean, certainly they have that aspect of the NRA where 
it's about training. It's about safe handling of guns, but it almost seems as though that's an afterthought today. And it's certainly not where the NRA makes, you know, their money to operate their organization. Instead, they're very much an advocacy organization that promotes gun ownership pretty much above anything else. And I think that's where some of the issues have started where it's, you know, where does this organization stand? Do they really stand for the protection of, of people and, and, and really the betterment of the organization and the people that they represent. And, and I completely agree with what you're saying. And the other thing, like the NRA is coming under a fire a lot lately. Um, I've got their magazine right now, but only because it was a, you know, I did one of those, like you get it for four years or some shit. Uh, Cause I really don't agree with their politics. Um, and I, I, after getting the magazines, I realized how political the whole thing was. And it's ridiculous. Every month you're getting something and it's not talking about like, you know, safe gun ownership or how to handle things or, you know, yeah, it might be advertisements um, for different weapons and guns and things of that nature or gear. But a lot of it's like, you know, this last month was like wearing body armor. I'm sorry, you have zero reason to be wearing body armor. And if you do, you're going to figure it out. Like, I, I just, I couldn't, I can't agree with what they're putting out there. Now, do you think it's a lot of military fanboys wearing body armor on the street? Oh, absolutely. I've never seen it myself in person. Have you? I, you don't see it on the street. You, you'll see it at ranges and oh, stuff. Okay. And unfortunately, up here, all our ranges are indoors, so they don't do a lot of that stuff. But down south, you definitely see a lot of it. They go to the range in full gear like that? Yeah. But they also have, like, an outdoor, it, I mean, A, their range might be their backyard, right. but... um they'll go to a range where they'll they'll do speed drills and stuff like that. And they'll be in body armor. And again, it might not even be body armor. They'll just be in the vest. Um, I mean, the only other thing is I think that the NRA is like so many things that we talk about nowadays. Greed has taken over. Oh yeah. Um, they've been under fire a lot lately with basically how much money has been going into like the top 10% of the company or whatever. And they've been they've been just basically robbing everyone, and then they always ask for more, collecting all their dues and just sending them to uh, top CEOs of the company or the organization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we do now. It's the American way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a big and a big part of the NRA's overall income, especially on their their for profit side, has been rebates from the gun manufacturers uh, who actually pay a portion of each gun sale back to the NRA. And, um, you know, so again, when, when things, when you, when you see something become so culturally driven and that's really what the NRA has, has really done here. I mean, at their height, they had their own TV network, they have their own print. Um, they have a a website that, you know, the fans will, will go to quite a bit. I've, I've made the mistake of, of Googling things too close to the NRA. And for the next week, you know, I, I've got their ads <laughs> embedded into my, my YouTube, uh, videos. Oh, yeah. And, and so they've got a very, very big machine that really, I mean, when you think about it, when you, when you go down to, you know, a, a human's desire to belong, it creates that belonging. It creates a place where people can say, I belong. And, uh, it just so happens they belong around guns. And, 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 you know, uh, as much as I disagree with the NRA, I disagree with where we're at here. The reality is, is an overwhelming majority of people who own guns 
are law-abiding citizens who just own guns. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to them, that's it. And it really is an affront to them whenever, you know, things happen and it seems like they happen a world away, right? There's a mass shooting here. There's extreme amount of violence in Chicago related to guns. I mean, in Baltimore where, you know, I lived for some time, we had 320 people that were murdered in one year, which was in an astronomical rate based on the number of people that lived in that city. But what they don't talk about is the 1,100 people who were shot that didn't die. But those things always seem to be a world away. And you get back down to the micro, you get to the individual who owns a gun, who likes to go out on the weekends and dress up like G.I. Joe and go shoot with his friends. It can be very confrontational to them to be lumped in with these other issues and essentially be told that, hey, what brings you together with your friends and what you rally around? Um, We're going to take those away because of a problem that you may not have had any um, any participation in. Yeah. Cause realistically they're not harming anyone with what they're doing. They might look like fools, but <laughs> they're not harming anyone. No. And that, that comes back to the, that's a good point you made there, Kyle, about people needing to belong. We're, we're a tribal animal. So if you're in a gun tribe, basically, and you're, they're told, they're told by the government that that's going to be broken up, they're going to get hostile about it as far as their attitude towards it. Uh, it's going to basically scare them. So really, what what choice do they have if they're told that their existence is going to be changed without their permission? It's also a way that, at least I believe, for years, they've used to control the economy. If you ever want to boost the economy, just tell people you're going to take their guns. <laughs> Dude, yeah. it's true. They go out in mass numbers and will buy anything and everything. Yeah, Do we actually still produce all of our guns here in the United States? No. Yeah, some of the top brands are, I mean, Glock is an Austrian company. That actually brings me to my next point, uh, since we're on the topic of manufacturing. Uh, one of Biden's new policies that he wants to implement is holding gun manufacturers accountable. And what it says on his website is in 2005, then Senator Biden voted against the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Acts Act. Uh, but gun manufacturers successfully lobbied Congress to secure its passage. And this law protects these manufacturers from being held civilly liable for their products. So if, uh, for example, someone committed a mass shooting, everybody who is a victim of that event can sue the manufacturer of whatever gun the perpetrator happened to be using. I don't... Yeah, which... It's kind of... I don't even think that's a gray area. That just doesn't seem right to me. No, I mean, listen. All right, fine. Yeah, they're putting out a, a product that has the capability to kill people. But so is Tylenol, Ford... Chevy, most definitely Land Rover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, dude, you can, if we're going down that route with guns, what's to stop every other company? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, and it, it actually starts from your home state because this is all from Sandy Hook. They were trying to sue, uh, was it Ruger? I don't remember which one it was. So the families of the- I think it was Bushmaster. Was it Bushmaster? It was Bushmaster and one other. I thought it might have been Ruger. But yeah, you're right on Bushmaster. But so the families of the well, the, the survivors of the people lost in Sandy Hook, um, they tried to sue the gun manufacturer companies and they lost because it's not their fault. Right. And even <laughs> you know even the mean? way that that perpetrator got the gun was not legal. No. And we're going to do an episode on on school shootings and stuff. and. One of the things 
I read a book this past week um, called Why Kids Kill. It's fantastic read. But one thing it gets into that you never hear about in the news, all of these people who do mass shootings and stuff like stuff like that, they have insanely bad mental health. Like they each and every one of them is either um like either psychopathic, schizophrenic, uh one that I didn't even know was a word was schizotypoid. That was a crazy one. They all have underlying mental health issues that weren't addressed at all. And it doesn't matter if they came from a good family, a bad family. And the problem is, yeah, all right, they had some sort of means to get guns. And that comes down to more of a of a thing of, and if they're being bought legally, we need to make sure we're doing these background checks. And that we, we run into that a lot where they're not being done properly. No, they're not. And actually, yeah. um, one point that Biden makes that I actually agreed with, uh, when you're doing a background check uh, in certain areas... I don't remember exactly what the time frame is, but if it takes too long, they just give you the gun. It doesn't even make any sense. A lot of the loopholes come down to gun shows, which why a gun show can sell a gun at any sort of different idea or, or, or way than it would at a, at a store doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, not at all. Yeah, and, and you know, with regard to you know, the first point that was made about the liability on the gun manufacturers, that's really just an extension of liability that is currently applied to manufacturers of any other product. And, um, and so when you, when you have a gun that's sold, it's sold through a reseller and that reseller is an extension of the actual manufacturer. And you see that with vehicles, you see that with, um, with cigarettes. I mean, cigarettes by their design will kill you. And it has created a tremendous amount of liability to the point where, you know, just a couple of years ago, um, RJ Reynolds, who is one of the leading manufacturers of cigarettes, Marlboro, um, are now getting out of the cigarette business because the exposure and the risk from the use of their product is creating so much liability that it's no longer um, feasible for even them, the biggest player in the market to, to continue in that market. And so when you think about, we go back down to the micro again, when you think about guns, you have guns that are manufactured, they're almost never sold by the actual manufacturer. In fact, there's some pretty strong laws in place that require just like vehicles that they be sold through a reseller. And those resellers become an extension of that company. And when you think about every cell, whether it should have been sold or not, every sale of a gun, a new gun is legal. And at some point in time, when that gun is sold legally, it becomes an illegal gun. And so one of the big issues that we have when you look at like Chicago, so Chicago has a terrible gun violence problem, and it's an extension of a terrible drug war that they have going on there. And what's perpetuating that war is an endless amount of guns that keep flowing in. And Chicago police know where those guns are coming from. They're coming from Indiana because Indiana has very relaxed gun laws. And so what you have is you have folks that are um, going over and making tremendous amount of gun purchases, so much so that you've got a, a huge market that's developed or a, a huge number of stores that have um, 
I mean, that's just, you know, I'm in business now. I've been, in, I've been running a, a sales team for my organization um, for many years. And, you know, we build liability into how we do business. And the fact that, that by law, we've eliminated all liability for gun manufacturers means that, you know, from a sales standpoint, they've essentially set themselves up as arms dealers. They will push as many guns into the market as they can without any concern about what their product is doing. And any other company in any other industry that did the same thing would certainly face uh, repercussions for their actions in the form of you know lawsuits and, and liability for, for what they've done. And um, do you think there's ever going to be a point like, let's say you would be able to sue a gun manufacturer for someone committing a mass shooting? Like if you take a car company, all right, they've done everything they could to make safety standards, right? They have seatbelts, they have airbags, they have sensors that, that weigh you while you're sitting in the car. They know how tall you are. They know what to how many explosions to set off in the airbags, depending on how hard you're hit. But with with a mass shooting. How do you stop that? And to me, you all right, fine. If you want to say that the company should be prom- like, you know, kind of a cigarette thing where they need to promote, um, you know, safety standards within the community or safety courses, things like that. But when you get into the whole mass shooting thing, it keeps going back to mental health. And we, I feel like we always just glaze right over the whole mental health aspect because the mental health program or the mental health system in the United States is broken, horribly broken. <laughs> Jerry, did you get any of that in your mouth? I was distracted. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, so like you can have, I, I, I see what you're saying and I understand and I agree with you to a degree, but at the same token, like, yeah, they should take some responsibility in the fact that they should be promoting a safe environment with them. But at the same time, like, where do you stop? And I think that's, that's, you know, where the discernment of the courts come in, um, you know, courts and, and laws and, and, and really precedent doesn't answer every question, which is exactly why we have judges that issue rulings based on, on, on judgment and, and juries that, that do the same thing. The big thing is, is like, you know, back to the, the, the car analogy is no matter what, how safe we make vehicles, um, there's always going to be something that happens, right? Um, with school shootings, um, those are an extremely small subset of the overall um, cause of death from from gun violence. I mean, the bigger the bigger violence is is you know in Baltimore and Chicago. Um, it, it is. It's it's gang violence and and really an entire industry that's set up to supply them with unlimited weapons. And and to get more specific about how it happens, you know, I mentioned earlier, every gun cell tends to be a legal cell, even even if it shouldn't have been sold. Gun dealers, because at that point they're criminally liable, and 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 there's a lot of people watching. Like anytime there's a murder that happens, they trace that gun if they can get a hold of it, and if it's found that you, as a dealer, have sold that gun illegally, then you know you can. At that point, you you lose your um, immunity. You're criminally liable. You could be held civilly liable, right? So most guns 
an overwhelming number of the guns that are sold are sold legally. And, um, and you know, when you think about, well, how are they sold? It's, it's a, it's a, a 21 year old who possibly can't buy a gun because he or she has a felony on their record. And so they get an, an aunt, an auntie or an uncle or a grandmother who essentially then becomes a straw purchaser who will go over there to the gun shop, make purchases on behalf of a relative or a loved one. That's a legal purchase. But then the gun is illegally transferred to a child, a nephew, a niece, whoever it might be. The numbers are scratched off and now it enters that world of an illegal gun that's often used for nefarious reasons. So if you're a gun manufacturer who has resellers, how, you know, absent of any laws, right? Because remember, liability is usually handled at the civil level outside of what is legal, right? How do you prevent that from happening? Well, again, you look at the straw purchasers and you look at professional standards. Like, you know, I used to, I used to do paintball and there's the American Compressed Gas Association. It's an, it's a loose affiliation of members who come up with best practices to prevent compressed gas from blowing up and, and really hurting someone. And people who build in that industry in that industry comply with the standards that the experts have come up with to make sure that their products are safe. That's completely absent in, in the, in the realm of guns. It is literally a wild west and there are no professional standards. There is no way of, and, and you can't even ask who you are in, in, in some areas. Um, or they know this straw purchaser, especially on the U S Mexico border, you know, Mexico has pretty stringent gun laws. You typically can't own a gun down there. So what they, they send straw purchasers to, you know, Laredo or, 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 um, El Paso, the gun shops are lined up there. They know who they're the market they're serving. They don't care because there's no liability to them and they just sell it. And they're, they're arms exporters and, and, and any normal industry that would set them up with so much liability that they would be out of business in a heartbeat, but here they're, they're shielded. And so when we look at the liability aspect of it, yes, if a kid kills his mother, steals an, an, a, a, a rifle, um, and takes it to school and kills a bunch of kindergartners and their teachers, it, it may be hard to draw that back to a gun manufacturer, but that's just one incident. In reality, there's tons of liability elsewhere in the system that 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 they're actually responsible for. Yeah, that I totally agree with. Um, to help you with your numbers of Chicago, I think it was 2019 by June, they had more gun-related uh, deaths and wound woundings than the entire Afghanistan war. That's pretty intense. It's a it that's a good perspective for people to look at that at. Um, six months. <laughs> so back to uh, a couple of the things we were just mentioning there, Kyle, uh, looking at Biden's plan right now. And he actually, uh, he addresses the things that we just talked about directly, uh, as far as straw purchasers, which, uh, I guess for someone like the group of us here, law abiding citizens with no real criminal record, that never really comes to mind for most people in our situation when, the, when we're talking about guns. Uh, you know, the average citizen. Uh, but 
as Kyle pointed out, that's a real problem. And that's where a lot of these come from in that situation. But one of Biden's uh, talking points here is he wants to prioritize prosecution of straw purchasers. Uh, so he wants to end these loopholes and enact a law to make all straw purchases a serious federal crime and make sure that the Justice Department actually has sufficient resources to prior prioritize their prosecution. And I think that's another issue that we've had in this country, too, is we have gun laws. And a lot of them are not really well enforced, even even if it's a good law. No, not at all. But uh, what, was, what was that Air Force kid um, a few years back? Oh, on the base? Was it on a base? I don't remember. I remember he shot up a bunch of people and it was like, yeah, he bought it, the gun legally and they never even did the damn background check. Well, that, that, a lot of that comes back to what I was telling you earlier, which uh, I think Biden should address is if I think the, the time frame is 10 days, you have to get your background check when you go to a dealer. And mm -hmm. it's usually a wait period. But if your background check takes longer than 10 days, I don't know if this is universal or just in certain areas, but if it takes longer than 10 days, they can still sell you the gun, which that's kind of counterintuitive to me. But as far as these straw purchasers getting guns and, and then giving them to a relative or someone who couldn't normally purchase it, uh, something interesting that I've, I've heard talked about in the past, but Biden wants to actually actively uh, pursue this is ensuring that 100% of firearms sold in America are smart guns, which means that it's somehow biologically encoded to the owner. That means that Andy, if you bought a gun, it's going to take your fingerprint to operate that gun. Mm. That's a pretty interesting yeah, concept. Yeah, no one else can shoot it. It is an interesting concept, but then you're, you're going to get fight back on that because like, you take someone like me, I don't own uh, guns for protection. I don't own them to walk around the streets because I'm worried about other people. I don't own them because I want to shoot other people. For me, it's a, I'm going to the range with my buddies. We're going to have an afternoon. It's relaxing. We might shoot each other's guns like it, it, it's a it's a it's not drinking because we don't drink. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, I'm it, glad you pointed that out. <laughs> there's a camaraderie to it, you know, yeah. like so it, it, there's a thing where it's like, oh, man, I really want to shoot that. Try that weapon out or whatever. And, you know, do I disagree with it? No. I mean, to me, the, the straw purposes, I think it purchases. I wonder if there's another way around it. I don't know if the smart gun is the answer, but maybe it is. That's an interesting concept. I mean, like yourself, Andy, I don't feel any safer with a gun. Uh, no. I, as I've told you in the past, I've done a couple of different martial arts, and my opinion on a gun, as far as walking around with it, unless my situation is somebody else with a gun, I actually feel safer without it. Because most altercations no, just, are physical. Gains yeah, they're a physical altercation. Now I have an opportunity for someone to take my gun away and shoot me with it. I just feel more comfortable myself in a self-defense situation not having a gun, if that makes any sense. No, you bring up a great point, and that is that, that guns that are designed to protect people are far more likely to be used, especially in suicide. Um, I mean, you're something more like a thousand times more likely to, to shoot yourself with your own gun than you are to actually use it to stop a perpetrator from killing you or, or harming you or your family. Mm -hmm. And, yep. you know, this is another, uh, this is another thing that has, has been a big issue. 
And it's where it defies logic. I mean, so there's the stats are very clear on this um, about how guns, especially in the hands of children, are very deadly. And you have states like Oklahoma who actually ban pediatricians from talking to parents or, or giving literature to them about the harm that guns do and the importance and necessity of making sure guns are locked away. And, um, you know, it just goes back to that, you know, when, when you, when you look at like a normal person and they look at the NRA, they're not, they're not beholden to the culture of the organization, or maybe they're not crazy on one side or the other of the, uh, of, of the subject. They look at the NRA and they say, well, you know, this is really just a matter of, of unrestricted access to weapons, regardless of the damage that it does. And, you know, we're, we're looking right now at a very small snapshot in the, in, in the history of America. Right. And, and, you know, there, there was a time prior to, you know, even the interpretation of, of guns in America is a relatively recent interpretation um, or individual ownership of guns, the expansion of gun ownership, the idea that guns can legally belong in the hands of normal people. You know, these are all recent um, rulings by the Supreme Court. Prior to this, the Supreme Court really stayed out of guns and guns were not something that were so easily attainable. Rifles, yes. Guns and the gun industry that we've seen is a relatively modern issue in America that's come about almost entirely from that 1977 convention in Cincinnati, where the NRA took this very, um, I don't know what word I would use here, but took a very strong approach to the second amendment and really turned it into an industry. And, and that's the thing that I think, you know, you touched on it, Andy, a little earlier on, it is an industry and it is making a lot of money for a lot of oh, people. God, yeah. And, um, and a lot of people are suffering for it. And I think that's where the imbalance is. And I think that imbalance is going to end up costing the NRA because let's be honest, every time there's a school shooting, every time someone gets shot in Chicago or Baltimore or is a victim of gang violence, regardless of they could be the, the, they could be one of the most heinous gang members in Chicago. They still have a family that loves them. And when they're gunned down, that entire family are victims. When your child is shot at school, you have an entire community that are victims. And you have a huge contingency of Americans who either are victims. And in my case, you know, just a personal story. Um, five years ago, my father uh, shot himself with a gun that he had for his protection. And, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm personally a victim of, of what a gun can do. I'm not blaming the manufacturers for it, but in the end, it's a losing proposition for the, for the NRA. They have to protect their industry. They have to make sure that the people who are buying and possessing guns deserve those guns and are going to use them responsibly. And that's something that's really absolutely not found in the conversation right now, at least one that a conversation that's being put up by an industry that purports to be part of, um, you know, the gun lobby. One thing that I was hoping with the NRA, especially with 
the you know last year with 2020 um gun sales were up astronomically right they went up some ridiculous number and a lot of them were with people who were previously not owning weapons and not owning guns right and to me that was probably a lot of people who were either on the fence or i believe probably on the other political side and being democrats right so one thing that i hope that would come from this is that you're going to have more people who have joined the the club so to speak of firearm ownership but they don't agree with the nra and its political views and it's just greed overall but they still they they have common sense and they believe that we need these things like you know gun safety check or gun safety courses and background checks and and things of that nature so hopefully you'll see more of that come around you mean more common sense exactly yeah that's fair I hope so. I hope uh, so too. <laughs> now, another another thing that uh, Biden has brought up, which I've actually I've met I've met many people, and I've actually met quite a few people who make ghost guns. And for those who don't know what a ghost gun is, uh, there's a lot of different kinds of guns that are very difficult to get, especially here in Connecticut. But one way that people get around this is you can buy uh, essentially gun parts, and you can buy. Uh, it's yeah, like it's almost, 80 almost fully machined gun parts. And then you can buy a kit to machine the rest of it yourself. And now that gives you the opportunity to build a gun yourself that you couldn't previously buy because it was outlawed, like I said, here in Connecticut. Uh, he actually, Biden wants to completely eliminate that loophole, which uh, I, don't, I can't really say it's a bad idea. I mean, no, I mean, I, I agree that, listen, uh, 80 percenters to me, those are guns that don't have serial numbers. They don't have anything like that. What they're pretty much other untraceable. Other than the fact, what well, they are. But so in a state like yours, I understand why they're there, right? So in Connecticut right now, you can't purchase a assault rifle that's what pre what year? Ninety three. Nine ninety three. Yeah, I think that so, was last one. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're gonna buy an assault rifle, it becomes very expensive, and also not only that, it's thirty years old. Right. You know what I mean? Like, who? The, do you want to buy a 30-year-old car? No. <laughs> so no. You, you're going to have either legal gun owners or non-legal gun owners want to purchase these things because they, can't, they want to buy something new versus something old. And also now it's untraceable. Like, I don't see how that's good for anyone. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is these the new 3D printed guns. And, and you know, they, they say they say for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And there's a part of me that wonders if ghost guns and 3d guns, you have the democratization of weapons and our current laws basically drive cells of all, of all these weapons into the hands of just a few select manufacturers. I mean, when you look at those who actually manufacture guns, they own multiple various brands. These conglomerates have come in and built in and bought them up. It's a huge business, right? Mm -hmm. And so our laws actually are empowering these, these actors who build these guns for essentially, uh, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're arms dealers at some point, like they're selling death. Um, they absolutely are. And, and so, you know, does 3d guns does ghost guns and the democratization of weaponry, essentially take the wind out of their cells because a huge portion, it's just like the, it's just like big pharma, the pharmaceutical companies, we, you know, we empower them with hundreds of billions of dollars and they, they turn around and take that money. They funnel it through 
you know, uh, pharma or NRA in the case of weapons. And they put big amounts of money to create these draconian arcane laws that shield them from liability that um, essentially make it work. You know, doctors can't even have conversations with parents about gun safety. Um, Which is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And, and, and to the average person, it just seems ridiculous. But you have to understand that the, the way politics works, you know, money speaks. And our laws have essentially created these conglomerates that sell guns that are just fabulously wealthy and who are using that wealth to essentially propagate their, their, their future at the demise of everyone else. And, um, you know, so does 3d guns take some of the wind out of their cells? Do you have to, like for me, I, I would, I would like to own a weapon. I cannot see giving my hard earned money to a company like, um, Bushmaster, not that I would ever buy a gun like that or Glock. Um, who use that money to essentially make a, a bad situation worse and aren't really res- you know, responsible, good corporate citizens. Well, I just want to clarify, too, that when we got on the topic of ghost guns, I was say- saying that Biden wants to outlaw ghost guns. Um, it's, it's not really the whole story. When I say he wants to outlaw ghost guns, he wants to make it illegal to make them untraceable like they are now. So his plan, it entails uh, passing some kind of federal background check and pretty much enabling a tracking system. So he doesn't want people to be unable to make their guns. Uh, again, it's, it's an American thing. It's going to be hard to completely get rid of that. So what he wants to do is make it... So he's requiring them to have serial numbers. Yeah, he'll, he'll want them to have serial numbers. He'll want them to... Basically, if you want to make a gun, it's the same process as purchasing one. Which I agree with. If you can't purchase a gun, you won't be able to build one. Yeah. Which that's that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I don't agree. A lot of his stuff I agree with. It's a few things that I don't. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. to me that they they can incorporate technology into weaponry like the biometrics, but they can't incorporate technology that allow people to do background checks in less than 10 days. Um well, so that's that that's the crazy thing. Whenever I I've had to do background checks for God knows how many damn things. Uh, right now I'm trying to get a dog. I'm pretty sure I have to do a background check for that. <laughs> when I, last time I got a background check, it was done in 30 seconds. It doesn't take long, you know, but my, my belief and probably where this background check that took oh, too long, they probably didn't have internet. They probably had to mail it out and had to wait for it to get mailed back to them. And yeah. All right. If you're going off an archaic system, yeah. All right. It's going to take over 10 days. But everywhere else in the civilized world, it's going to take 30 seconds. Yeah. And I mean, so the background checks, for example. So when you went and got your dog, the Humane Society maintains a background check where essentially if you ever abandon an animal or you've been accused of abusing an animal, they'll put your name into this informal system. And that's what they're checking. But, you know, Mm -hmm. the criminal background checks, that goes through the NCIC. Uh, the National Crime Information Center. It's a it's a it's a pool house. It's a pooling area where people report up um, criminal records for people, and they don't let everyone and anyone have access to that. So instead, what you have is, are companies who are certified to access the NCIC. They receive training. Their employees are trained on not running the criminal background check of Garth Brooks and getting his address. Right? They only <laughs> run background checks. It's the same training that that law enforcement officers get because they have access to the same thing. So when you're a 
when you're a gun shop, your specialty is selling guns. It's not running criminal background checks. And so you hire a company to do your criminal background checks. And those companies, generally, you don't go out and get the best one. You get the one that's the cheapest and either they're backed up or um, they're slow at getting the work done. They're slow at sending it back or they screw it up. Um, you know, you've, you've got really a, an industry there that's formed up that, that is low price wins and low price doesn't always mean you get a quality background check in, in a timely fashion. And, um, you know, so, so regulations about in certification, again, there's like, there's no industry association that really says, Hey, a background check should be instantaneous. Cause it is. When I was in law enforcement, I could run it. I could run a background check on my computer immediately. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, not everyone. Yeah, has the background access. check I got was for purchasing a firearm, but and it it was instantaneous. It's just the problem is not everyone is going to do that. Yeah, or they're not going to have internet or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 we're not going to be able to protect against every case, and I think that's where we have to look and see, you know, what's what's really driving the violence here. There is such thing as responsible gun ownership. And if you don't believe me, go look at 99.9% .9 of people who own a gun. They're responsible, normal people. Yes, they might have a weird hobby where they dress up in G.I. Joe gear on the weekends and go shoot with their friends. I mean, look, I was a kid once. I used to shoot pretend guns and the same thing. Some of these people just don't grow up and that's okay. I mean, that, that takes the beauty of keeping the, the inner child in you, right? But where is the problem? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, Biden's got it right. Like we have to go after these straw purchasers. They don't represent common, normal people who want to go out and buy a gun for their own personal use. They don't, they, they certainly don't represent the industry well, but the industry doesn't seem interested in controlling them because the interest the industry is beholden by the money that's derived from them. And let's be honest, straw purchasers spend millions and millions of dollars buying oh, guns. God, yeah. Yeah, that actually. Uh, so there's a lot in Biden's policies that I don't agree with, but uh, I didn't really look up his his uh, plan for gun violence or gun control until we decided to do this episode. And I actually found myself agreeing with a really large portion of what he wants to do. I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, he's so at the end of the day, he's not trying to take everybody's gun away. He's trying to make it so that people who should not have guns don't have them. Mm -hmm. that's that's a pretty fair point i I can't really disagree with that um and one thing that i think you'd be far hard pressed to find someone who didn't well i've actually talked to people who are pretty hardcore on guns who i if it sounds like without directly saying it they're willing to risk the wrong people getting guns to avoid excessive regulation which yeah i can see their point of not being excessively regulated but at the cost of the situation that we're in in America, because you really can't deny it. If you look at the last 20 years, we have more mass shootings uh, for one thing than we had in the rest of the history of the country. Yeah, they really upticked in the 90s. And I've heard the argument too that, well, no, we just hear about them more and they haven't increased. But what that's a kind of a disingenuous argument because, yeah, in the last 20 years, they're not any more than they were you know, in, that, in that two decades. Before that, we didn't have these problems really at all it kind of like the the whole mass shooting thing started with columbine really uh but then it was actually like with on that note it, 
it was that stretch in the 90s that we had a ridiculous number of school shootings or yeah. mass shootings that I as a I don't I was in high school. Jerry, you were what middle schoolish? Uh Columbine yeah, somewhere around there. It's like seventh grade or something like that. Kyle, I don't know how old you are. I assume yeah, you're I was in I was in uh my sophomore year of high school. Okay, so you, we were about the same age. And I don't remember hearing about any of the others. It was just Columbine you heard about. But there was like 20 others in a span of like from like 95 to 99. There was a shit ton. What changed? To that effect, yes, we're hearing more about them now. But prior to the 90s, it wasn't that wasn't a common thing. Well, that's what thing. I mean. Like before the 90s, they weren't a thing. I wasn't trying to say that we weren't hearing about them. Right. I, I was know, just reiterating what you now. said for, for the listeners that, yeah. yes, the argument is you just hear about them now more. And that's true for the last 20 years. Prior to that, it wasn't a situation like we're in now. So you really can't deny that, yes, we have a lot of these issues, but I think we're really hyper-focusing on the mass shootings because we have gun violence nationwide every day. It's, mm-hmm. it's just those, you don't hear about those. Right. Because no. they, it's, all, it's all become normalized now. Even the mass shootings are becoming normalized. That's true. But it, I mean, the problem with what you hear and what you don't hear is comes down to what makes the media new, um, money. Right. You know what I mean? If they hit the news with the amount of gang violence that happens every day, people would stop paying attention because <laughs> they would just be numb to it. Absolutely. It'd be ridiculous. Now, really, even people that are in um, areas that are heavily under the influence of this gang violence, they're they're well aware of the situation they live in, but it's normalized to them. They don't really... You know, on a minute-to-minute basis, they're not constantly thinking about it. It's just that's yeah, the life that they, they live in. They don't know in. any different. Yeah. Well, they're out of options. I mean, right. well, there's, there's nothing they can do. I mean, if you're if a straw purchaser provides a gun to, or if a straw purchaser provides a gun to someone who kills your family member, you have no legal recourse. If you're in Chicago, they're so overwhelmed with murders. There's, you know, I mean, there there's no one who's going to likely be arrested for it. I mean, a majority of the murders there go uh, unsolved in Baltimore, for example, they're looking at a 20% clearance rate. So only 20% of the murders are getting solved. So imagine if you're someone who commits murder and you only have a one in five chance of getting caught eventually, and you just keep That's ridiculous. perpetuating the same violence over and over and over again, hell leave the gun there. Like if someone you scrape the 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 numbers off of it and you you wipe it down you don't even need to take the gun anymore um because you can just get another one i mean if you're going to kill someone what's 600 bucks and and that brings up you know another issue with you know with the gun violence is you know when whenever someone has a mental health issue and they are prone to violence an awful lot of them go to a gun I mean, when you think about it, if I'm going to go into a room and try to kill everyone, I bring a club. It's going to be hard to club everyone to death. Yeah, it makes it a lot a easier. While. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you got a gun. And, mm. you know, law aside, um, there's just this whole thing about it's so easy to perpetuate violence with a gun. I mean, and carnage and death. And there's a part of it that just doesn't seem fair. Like if someone's going to kill me and I've done nothing to deserve it, like I should have a fighting chance and they should have to, you know, beat me to a bloody pulp before I lose my life. But it's very impersonable to walk into a room, point a gun and from 20 feet away in my life. And, 
and, and, and that just resonates with so many people. There's just the, the unfairness about it. You know, very few people who perpetuate these, these, these mass shootings or these, you know, in these, these gang violence, like, well, especially in the mass shootings, they don't walk out alive. I mean, overwhelming majority of the people turn the gun on themselves mm-hmm. and it's, it leaves everyone else just thinking like, how unfair was this situation? And, um, I never asked for it. And I think about it. Like when I go to restaurants, you know, I, I'll ask to sit close to a back exit so you can make a quick getaway. When mm-hmm. I am at a theater, like I think about, you know, you hear the stories about Aurora, you know, he walked in and just started spraying the crowd and people couldn't get anywhere. You know, like you have to go down the stairs to get out. So you're pinned up against the back wall, you're sitting ducks and the whole situation is just tough. And, um, and people want to do something about it, but there's, there's so little that you can do. And so you just give up. And then unfortunately that's exactly where the industry wants you to be in that position where you give up. And, um, and we should give give up. up. They make money. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's not giving up. It's not a fight to get rid of guns. It's about, it's a fight to, to just be responsible to be, Mm -hmm. I mean, where, where's the cool heads here? Where's, where is, where is right and where is wrong? Can't find it anymore. No. Well, from my, uh, utterly average American point of view, uh, I'm typical middle American. I, I'm not rich. I'm not poor either. So from where I'm standing, it looks like we have two major issues with our gun control. Uh, because as you said, Kyle, 99% of people that have guns are pretty responsible with them. But we have two issues that I can see. One is our mental health, and the other is gang violence, which they're gonna there's gonna be gang violence anyway, but now they're right now they're getting guns through really illegal means. Uh I don't really know what the solution is to gang violence, but mental health is that's a, a really broader issue right now, especially as Grizz and I have talked about off air many times. The younger generations, being millennials and generation Z they seem to be a lot more heavily affected by it, which might play into why the uh, mass shootings are happening more often now. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about this before and I'm not trying to like pick on women. Um, I don't know. I don't think I know a single woman that's our age that doesn't have some sort of mental health issue. Almost all of them have anxiety and depression. And I mean, is that a cultural thing? Did we do that? Like, why is that now? On the other side, Jerry and I have worked with with some people that we we have literally thought if anyone was going to come in here and shoot someone, it'd be that guy. We even nicknamed this guy Six Shooter. Yeah. Like he had mental issues, but I guarantee they ran completely unchecked. Yeah. I Do you think there ever came a time where that guy uh, went and, you know, saw a therapist or anything like that? Absolutely no, not. I don't, not at all. And, you know... My wife, she's gone to the therapist before. And the problem that she explains to me is what the hell are they going to figure out with one hour a week? And now you're getting more into, all right, the mental health industry is completely screwed. It, we're, we're now having a system that's run up, run by the insurances. And it's, again, we're running into the problem of greed. We're trying to make as much money as possible. When instead of focusing on people, we're focused on dollars. We should always be focused on people. And I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. Could move to Australia. 
Yeah, but they're not like they got poisonous spiders and shit. <laughs> they likely have mental health issues too. I mean, yeah, and yeah. you get the, oh, the yeah. World Happiness Index where you know you really you really see that some countries are happier than others. And I mean, look, you can do an entire episode here on on mental health oh, in God, America. Yeah. And and we we, we actually plan to. <laughs> yeah, well, it, what you'll find is that, you know, an overwhelming majority of people with mental health issues, you know, never never take out their anger on a classroom of kids. Um, the big issue right. is, is, you know, do we make it easy? If we, we can never stop mental health illness, we can never stop that person that snaps, but do we provide them with the weapons to create the level of carnage that they've been able to, to inflict. And, you know, there's some common sense practices that go along with it. Like, for example, if you're that, if you're that son that asked your mother or your grandmother to go be your straw purchaser, Grandma goes to buy your gun, but then grandma finds out that in order to buy the gun, she has to go to a two weekend training course, not just once, but each time you want to buy a gun, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's not such an easy purchase and you don't do it. If you're a straw purchaser and you can only buy one gun, like, I mean, why do you need to buy 10 or 12 of them? It makes the gun shops day, right? They're churning in that, in that cash, but do you really need that many guns? No, like these types of things at the micro level stem the inflow. You know, I, I'm not in front of my computer now, but if you were to Google search number of guns confiscated in Chicago last year, you'll get a number. They track all that, and I guarantee it's ridiculous. And and the number that's that's confiscated in Baltimore every year is 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 huge too. And 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 the point I'm making with that is if we if we stem the inflow. But yet you still have these outrageous outflows and you start to restrict the number of guns that are that are in the market. And that reduces the level of gun violence. And guns should be something that's important. It really should be. It should be something that's meaningful. If you get a gun, you've got a powerful tool. You've got a tool that, yes, it brings you happiness. It it brings you a sense of belonging. You join a group, you join a gun club, you, you and your friends go and shoot at a at a shooting range. But you also have something that could end somebody's life. And, and that shouldn't be forgotten. It could also be something that could end your life or a family member's life if, if you know, it's used for suicide or it's an accidental shooting. And if we reinforce that belief by making it just a little bit more difficult to get a gun, I'm not asking you to register the gun, but I am asking you to go to a class. Then all of a sudden, it's not so, it's not so easy or not so desirable to go out and buy other people guns. And, and now you will absolutely see a drop in the level of violence associated with guns while also letting people who want to have guns and, and see guns as a source of personal enjoyment to have those guns. I absolutely agree with you there. I mean, I think there's several things that we, we all agree on. A background check should totally be a thing, a safety course. And I, I agree with you that if you did a safety course, that would stop grandma from buying a gun for, you know, Joe Schmo over there. Um, you should also, you know, maybe have every, a lot of places require a permit. Well, every year when you got to re-up your permit, maybe you got to go to a safety course again. You know, I don't have a problem with making it a pain in the ass to own a gun because there are things, listen, you like I said, you just had a shit ton of people purchase guns. And the first thing I said to my wife was, I hope to God they go to a safety course because right now in Rhode Island, it's not required to go to a safety course. Right. Um, you have to pass a test, but whoop-de-doo, it's just a test. 
and I, I, I guarantee Kyle has seen this. I don't know about you, Jerry, but you go to the range and all the time you see people just doing stupid shit with guns. Um, myself, I've been to a range and the way they worked it is when, you know, this was an outdoor range and you wanted to go down range to either move your target or check your target or whatever, you know, they, they have a, like a, a siren go off and a light go off at that point. Everyone clears their weapon, puts their weapon down and walks away from their weapon and, and lays it on the ground and doesn't touch it while people are downrange. It's not the safest, but it works. And then while downrange, I turn around and I see a guy hold, gra- touching his rifle and sighting in. And it's like, listen, jackass, there are rules here for a, per- for a reason. You need to follow them. <laughs> you know, they're for everyone's safety. And so we need to get everyone in line to to do these, you know, if it is a safety course or whatever, to do these things. So we're all taught the proper way. I mean, whether you go state to state, when you get your driver's license, you're taught how to safely operate your vehicle. Now, granted that changes state to state a little bit, but for the most part, they're teaching you the safe and proper way to drive a car. Some people should still not have a car, just like some people should still not have a weapon. One thing I wanted to point out, Kyle, there were 10,000 guns confiscated in Chicago in 2019. There's actually more than that. That was in November that they calculated 10,000. But that's ridiculous. 10,000 guns. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. And a majority of them are coming from Indiana. And, uh, you know, you go back to my earlier comment. You know, if you're in the business of selling it, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're Glock or Bushmaster, you have a sales team. And Mm -hmm. they see this is where they go to make money. And they don't have to worry about the liability. And so they don't. So, you know, Biden's plan to, to eliminate the liability doesn't mean that it's a free for all. I mean, look, anyone can sue for any reason. You can still sue the gun manufacturers right now, even though they have identity. Yeah, you're just probably not going to win. Your, your lawsuit's <laughs> going to get thrown out, but you can still sue, right? So, mm-hmm. yep. you know, that's where, you know, tort law and liability comes into play. And it's like, look, I was shot. My family was killed because a straw purchaser who's well known to these gun shops is flooding my neighbor neighborhood with guns and turning it into a war zone. And the Mm -hmm. company made millions and millions of dollars while I'm suffering misery. That's liability. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And actually, uh, Grizz, I'm interested to get your your perspective on this. Uh, I think you and I know quite a few people who like to collect guns. They have a lot of them. Yeah, we know people who have way too many. Yeah, and at the, at the end of the day, they're legal. But uh, one thing Biden wants to change is, uh, since we're on the topic of these uh, straw purchasers buying a lot of guns, uh, he wants to change the rules so that any given person is not allowed to purchase more than one gun every month. Okay. So I mean, you can still fine. you can still get twelve a year, uh, and some people will probably do that. I mean, I know people who go in and they'll buy one or two at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, is there even a cap? I don't know. I know when you when you fill out the form, there's you could just keep going. I don't know. Never purchased one. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's to stem the inflow. Um, there are there are collectors. I mean, you'll go and they have lots and lots of gun safes, and they they love showing off their guns. There's others who buy guns and just give them away, and that's you know that's that's yeah. What those they're... are the ones you have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of the people that are breaking the law, for us to change what's happening, it's going to have to be at least inconvenient for people who are abiding by the law. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of the people who are abiding by the law don't have a problem with seeing it, uh, you know, get a little bit more of a pain in the ass because, listen, they're they're tired of the headaches of being, you know, under attack. That's their words, not mine. Yeah. Every four years or two years or every year, whatever it is, because it seems to be becoming more frequent. Um, You know, I have no problem, you know, you making it more of a pain in the ass is fine. It's just I, if they have this mentality, if they give up anything, they're giving it all up. Right, right. But I know one. Did we go through all of what Biden was looking for? For roughly, yeah. There's, there's a couple of small points, but there's a couple other ones. That yeah, they, there was a proposal uh, about two weeks ago. What was it? I don't remember who it was by. But so they included all those things. One of the other, or a couple of the other things was basically a ban on all ARs, um, on the sales of ARs, anyways, a registration, and then also um, a mental health check. Uh, is that a mental health check for every person? Yeah. So if you want to purchase, you'd have to do a mental health check. And this is something they've bounced around for years now. Now, is this uh, like an evaluation by a mental health professional? No. So this is like, uh, it's basically a background check within the mental health uh, industry. So oh, if to you've see ever if you have any and, history. Yeah. And so the argument there is people are already hesitant to go get checked out as it is now men- mental health wise now you're you're giving them a deterrence they don't want to go get checked out because maybe you're stopping them from purchasing a gun uh, i i don't know how i feel on this one myself because there are plenty of people out there who might have anxiety or whatever it may be that's a mental health issue that are never going to go shoot people up but I, I don't know what the solution is to that one uh you might be talking about um HR 127 by Rep. Shelia Jackson Lee, who's a Democrat from yeah. Texas. Is that the one? I'm, it sounds familiar. I, I saw something about HR 127 uh, a couple of weeks ago, so that's that might be the one you're thinking of. Yeah, um, and, and you know, again, like I said, mental health. You're you're getting on a, a gray line there with everything else. Um, the registration, I don't love, um, but that's because I just don't trust the government as far as I can throw them. And then the other thing is the assault rifle ban. Well, now you're getting into whether or not people should own an assault rifle. And Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff that Biden has going on. But here's my problem with all of that. Our government really sucks at doing anything. <laughs> well, right now, it seems like anything that the Democrats want to do, they're getting through because they have the majority. Which, fine. I, you know, you'd be doing the same. Yeah, that's that's how our government works. I can't really mm-hmm. disagree with that. And that they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, we've talked about in the past. That's one of the issues with our country, which is also one of its strength is our policies flip flop every 48 years, which is why things are so wacky here sometimes. Yeah. I mean, last time I don't remember we were in our teens the last time there was an assault rifle ban. you know, and basically what well, all it does is just hike up the price of an assault rifle. And what was that 2002? No, I think 96, 96 and it expired in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I wonder what expired. I was it was under uh, Clinton. Yeah, Clinton and then expired in Bush, uh, under Bush. And, you know, that's a, that's another thing, driving up the costs, you know, that, that reduces demand. I mean, there are just some people, I mean, here, here's the thing. If, if you're suffering from mental illness and you're helping on, on, on killing a bunch of people for whatever reason, and all of a sudden, the cost to get a gun is prohibitively high. There's a waiting period, which means you have time to cool off. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not such a good idea. 
um, or it's an idea that you're not willing to commit to because then you have to sit through a class. You know, all these things are little roadblocks that, you know, if you want a gun, it should not be so easy to buy it. It should, I mean, it's just like buying a car. Like, I mean, we just, yeah. in my family, we recently bought a car. It was not a nice experience. It took five hours, but it's a substantial purchase and you know, it, it counts you, and a gun should be treated as a substantial purchase and not something that, you know, buying a, a soda pop out of the, out of a machine, you know? And, um, and so, you know, there's, there's, there's common sense things. And unfortunately, you know, do we get back to the whole idea is Biden's plan going to work? Um, no, it's not going to work. Um, and it, it, no, it would work. It's not going to get passed. Um, and I even, do you think it's not going to get passed? I, no, I don't think it is. You're, you're going to lose. I mean, I guarantee all of Republicans are going to vote. No, sure. Um, you're going to lose, <laughs> um, the Senator from West Virginia. He's a Democrat. Um, and you know, he, he generally will vote conservative on these types of issues. Um, so Bernie's state used to be very, uh, gun lax, but not anymore. Yeah, no, not anymore. Um, you're going to lose uh tester in Montana. He's a Democrat, but again, it's, you're going to lose the few Democrats that you have that are in very conservative rural states. And remember, you only have to lose one at that point. Mm. It's not a tie. So Kamala Harris can't come down and save the day. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, tester swinging with a, with a full block of, Republican senators sticking where they are, it's not going to pass. And, um, you know, and here's the other thing. I don't believe that Democrats see it politically expeditious to pass it either. It is something you put out there as a plan. It kind of reminds me of, um, Oh, um, Romney. They got a show face. Yeah. Paul. Paul Ryan, you know, he always put oh, his yeah. little, little plan out every year, but no one really wanted that plan because it's going to cause too much political damage. We're, we're in an issue, you know, Jerry, you, you mentioned it. That's this 48 year cycle. I'm not familiar with that, but you know, the, the pendulum of America swings and we are at one of the extents where guns are very much a part of our culture that's being driven by a, lobbying action of a single entity that is not sustainable it's not and it'll fall out of favor just like other entities have fallen out of favor and you'll see that pendulum go the other way and history now, will itself. when i when i was talking about that cycle it was four to eight years that's okay. our presidential it's cycle our, all right our president but i'm saying the longer yeah. i'm talking yep. about the yep. longer cycles um you know, like, you know, we, we saw the cycle in, in, in the 1930s that went heavily Democratic, um, you know, with, with the Great Recession that ushered in 50 years of, of Democratic control over, over the, uh, the House. And, you know, it, it, was, it, it was after a period of just economic excesses and, and issues there. And, you know, you have to wonder, and this is a separate issue, are we... Are we getting to another period of that um, where, mm-hmm. you know, you have really a gilded age and, um, you know, and, and, and this is that broader scheme of things, right? This you've got a, you've got a 
really an intersection of a lot of different issues, right? So we talked about psychological issues and, um, you know, certainly there is more awareness today than there was in the past about what constitutes a psychological illness um, and and how we handle it. Right. I mean, yes, I've 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 had to go see a, a psychologist before it took forever to get in there. It was really hard to find one that was covered by my insurance. But guess what? Even today, it's better off than someone was 30 years ago. And um, and so we're more aware of it and we're more app to get help for it. So that should be applauded. Um, and, but these are all issues that are coming together as the psychological issues, the, the culture war issues, the, the political war issues are all coming together and, and really at that intersection is guns and, um, and, and a couple other fringe issues like abortion and, and, um, you know, these, these are all things that are just defining our time. And they will undoubtedly pass or they'll sink us. One of the two. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're totally right, though. I don't think I don't really see anything major coming down the pipeline here for uh, gun control. And yeah, it's a nice wish wish list that Joe Biden has, like every president has on a website now when uh, they're in office. Uh, But most of it's never going to change. Nope. I mean, for him to pass something in, in office, he would have to. He'd have to dwindle that one down quite a bit. Yeah, that's that's a huge plan that he has there. There's no way most of that would get through in any bill. He might get one or two pieces of it while he's in office. But I'm also, I mean, not to turn this into a political episode, but I, with the the implosion of the GOP, I'm amazed <laughs> they're all siding with him or siding on that that side. You know what I mean? They've all banded together of one big lump of stupidity right now. Yeah, GOP is in rough shape. Uh, but I mean, I can't say the Democrats are doing great either. It really, all of Congress is a hot mess. Well, politics in general is a giant hot mess. Yeah. I mean, but there's some policy. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, there's policy at play here. What's being proposed by the Democrats is good policy. Um, but you know, all good policy goes to die somewhere. What I see is a lack of policy and, you know, this is this is probably one of the bigger things is that in absence of policy, you have mayhem. Mayhem is the standard across the board. Whenever you go anywhere in this world and you have a lack of policy, read into that as a lack of government, mayhem takes over. And when you go to places like Chicago and Baltimore, which are two cities that are really, really, really bad. In fact, like Chicago per capita is not nearly as bad as say Indianapolis or Baltimore or Puerto Rico. Um, but wherever there's a lack of policy, good policy, good directives, good governments, you have mayhem. And so when you go and you look at a, like a kid who's growing up in Baltimore and they grew up in a rough neighborhood where they're relying on a police force that really isn't serving them. That is almost like an occupying force. Um, and they see violence firsthand as they grow up, they go to schools that don't serve their needs that are underfunded, underperforming teachers that aren't, you know, that aren't really able to teach because of the situations that are occurring at the home. And, you know, a big portion of the kids don't graduate from high school, but if they do graduate from high school, they then hit this paywall for universities, which are underfunded. And now the cost of even going to a state school is, is out of reach. 
or you don't score well enough because you didn't go to a good high school. And so how you can't even go to a state school or if you don't graduate from high school and you don't have any jobs in your local neighborhood and public transit is awful, then mayhem ensues because at that point government hasn't created an alternative to mayhem. And so now you have these, these, these kids, this, this generation now who only have opportunities on the street, the informal economy, which is typically built upon mayhem. And so, you know, stemming gun violence means looking at the micro, we look at these broad things, right? We're looking at school shootings and we, we talk about overall cities and, and, and gun violence, but gun violence is an end result of a long process that starts with bad governance, a lack of policy, a lack of good policy. And we're not competing against mayhem and mayhem is winning. So if we want to stop gun violence, we have to compete against mayhem and create real opportunity from people at the very beginning. I think you can say that same thing about most of the problems in our country right now. And all, all of uh, the civil unrest that we've been experiencing, they're big problems that start really on a local level with uh, the neighborhoods pe people come from and how they, uh, the government treats that area or it doesn't treat it when they ignore it. Yeah. I mean, the thing with places like Baltimore and Chicago, like, are they too far gone? How do you fix that? You know? I don't think we'll come up with that solution here, though. Stay tuned for the next <laughs> <God> episode. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we joke about it, but truthfully, like, so many of these things that we talk about in the show, and, you know, politics being one of them, is people need to sit down and have conversations. They don't have them anymore. You know, you, don't, you, know, you get a 10-second bite of information, uh, and then you watch a YouTube video or whatever, where... You know, to me, I sit in the middle politically. I sit a little bit to the right of that, just probably only because of gun ownership. Other than that, a lot of their stuff is crazy to me. But I always thought Bernie Sanders was like just like radical left, right? I, I couldn't understand where he was coming from because you only had like seconds to understand him, right? He only had, what, 60 seconds is what they give him mm -hmm. to talk about what they need to talk about. Yeah. And then I listened to him do a podcast on Joe Rogan. And the man got to talk for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And yeah, I that understand makes where sense. he's, exactly. You understand where he's coming from and what he's trying to do. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. I understand what you're trying to do now. I agree with you, you know? And so it, again, all these things need to come down to people having conversations so we can understand where we're at and whether those are conversations we want to have or don't want to have, there still need to happen. Yeah. I'll just add that, you know, I like what you guys are doing here. This is, you know, essentially long form journalism in an age of just, you know, 288 characters in a tweet, um, yeah. you know, really explore the topics and, and, and even find consensus. I think that's the other thing is we've not found consensus and, um, you know, both sides have their feet stuck in the ground where there is a contingent of people who say there should be no guns. Mm. There are a contingent of people who believe that there should be unfettered access to guns. Those can't be the people that determine policy. No. For one, they're fringes. They're not even close to being a small minority, but yet they're loud, they're boisterous, and they become the majority. And it takes people who are in the middle who understand that, yes, we're not getting rid of guns, but yet we can be, we can utilize some common sense to get through this. And I think that's that's where we should be focusing. Those are the people we should be putting up to coming up with policy. And those should be the people who 
are really, you know, charting the direction of this country. I'd love to see a whole bunch of politicians who sit in the middle, but more and more. And we were talking about this, uh, you know, at work today with like cancel culture. It seems like squeaky wheel gets the grease Mm. and a small minority, a very small minority, or at least what I believe to be a very small minority of people are getting changes to happen that no one's calling for, you know, and I don't think that's going to happen in this situation, but when it comes to politics, you're always getting whatever people are talking about is what they're going to deal with. I mean, right now, even Biden was saying the reason that the whole gun control thing comes up, he was trying to do it before the next mass shooting comes up. Well, all right, that makes good sense because otherwise we would just wait till the next mass shooting comes up and then all of a sudden it would be a thing again. They'll just do more thoughts and prayers and more reactionary measures again, which so far have proven pretty ineffective. No, I agree with you. Uh, You know, and on that note, if you know, I you know, there's someone out there right now that's struggling with depression, especially with all the bullshit going on in the world. And I guarantee he has a he or she has a buddy somewhere. It, someone's always looking out for you. Reach out, talk to him. Don't sit there. Don't be quiet. You know, have that conversation we're talking about, even though you don't want to. <laughs> Get up that day, brush your teeth, take a shower, go see the world. Yeah, I think that really. Uh... At this point in our history right now, that is incredibly important because a lot of people have not gone anywhere in a year. No, uh, right now, uh, depression is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, I would like to thank Kyle for coming on the show. Uh, this one has been a very, a very interesting topic for us here. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. And uh, yeah, I, did, I just second your comment about depression. And it's... Uh, you know, gun gun violence isn't entirely uh, a psychological issue. I think it's a mix between a psychological issue and an economic issue, especially when we look at gang violence um, and and the, and the drug wars. Um, but you know, these are all issues I think are we're able to solve. I mean, when you look at the history of America, we have solved huge problems. I mean, we have we, we've we conquered polio. Um, you know, we've, we, we fought two world wars, um, and, and came out successful. There's not anything that we can't do as long as we put our mind to it. And for so many people, I believe that they've hung, they've hung it up because they feel like this issue is out of their control. And, uh, and it's not out of our control so long as we take you know, a, a pragmatic approach to it and understand that, you know, our constitution does guarantee people the rights to have guns, but it doesn't guarantee every, it's like freedom of speech. There's limits to every one of them. And we have to find out what are the limits that make sense that protect people, but also make a recognition that we live in a, in a fallen world where, you know, bad things are going to happen. But that doesn't mean we have to sit there and, and, and wait for them to happen. We can, we can empower ourselves and, you know, limit the, limit each other's, pain and and our misery um by enacting enacting laws that make sense absolutely well put hopefully you guys enjoyed that one i know i did so as always you can find us wherever you find your podcasts please leave us a review at itunes it really helps our website is beautifulbastardspodcast.com you can find us on facebook at beautiful b podcast on twitter we are at pod bastards 
Thanks for listening, and ladies and gentlemen, allow me to present Man Not Caring. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ruined it. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>